some fun yes sir thank you for having me uh, i appreciate you for doing it man uh my my last name is pronounced like that ice cream hagen does hog a book hog a book yeah i was gonna ask you before i start the show yeah a lot of people can say that ice cream hagen does they can say that all day long so <laughs> just take the first part of that hog a book that's it hog a book okay well let's start the show let's get it all right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Middle Ground with JLE, where we treat you like family. That was, the, that was the theme song, Detroit Love, from my first album, The JLE Experience. Great album, great song. We have another great guest for you today, Assistant U.S. Attorney at Department of Justice, Terrence Hogglebook. I say it right? Yes, sir. Okay. To share his amazing career journey, how he got to where he is, where anyone looking to get into to be a lawyer, he gonna get some life game today. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. So tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Uh, born and raised in Detroit, um, okay. and uh, single mom, and uh, my mom was a nurse. Uh, she passed away in two thousand and eighteen, uh, unfortunately. Right um, but, uh, grew up, uh, lived in some housing projects, uh, oh, until wow. mom, Jeffrey's housing projects. We were living there when the 67 riots happened. Wow. And then, uh, mom went on to nursing school and got a good job and was able to move us, move, move out. So, uh, we lived in the 10th precinct on Tyler street, uh, in between Davidson and, uh, I mean, uh, in between uh, Broad Street and Petoskey. Okay. Um, I lived around the block from Florence Ballard. Okay. Who's uh, that? From, of the Supremes. Uh, oh, nice. And uh, met her once because a friend of mine used to babysit her. Uh, okay. I babysit her kids. Uh, and uh, Diana Ross's mom lived on that same block on Buena Vista. Wow. Uh, and I used to shovel her snow. Uh because in the wintertime, I was always hustling money, going house to house. You, you know, can make that money. Yeah, man, you can make that money. <laughs> also cutting grass, cutting grass and raking leaves, bro. Yeah. Uh, so I was all about the hustle, you know, the, the legitimate hustle, uh, okay. hard work. And um, uh, educating Detroit public schools. Uh, uh, was a uh, safety boy in elementary school. Uh, uh, he said safety. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. You for elementary. Yeah. Man. I was, I didn't used to write the little notepads in the hallway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Jeff, stop doing that. Like, hey, man, I, I can't let you slide this time. <laughs> I, you know, and I, I, I ain't, I ain't going to front. Uh, I wanted to be a safety boy because on cold days, uh, they got to come to homeroom a little late because they got to get hot chocolate in the gym. So, oh, uh, y'all was living it. <laughs> I lived it up. Okay. <laughs> so I was like, hot chocolate? Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. I ain't gonna lie. The, the cute girls, I used to get them a pass. I ain't gonna lie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
graduate from Detroit Central High School, uh, class okay. president, and uh, wow. on, on the school paper, um, went off to University of Michigan, go blue. Uh, ah, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all whipped up a Moane State last week. Uh, uh, I was there in, in the house. What a beautiful. Oh, you was there? I was yeah. there too. He's what probably one of the people rooting for that. That yeah, right. what a beautiful facility. That is yeah, that is gonna be a crown a jewel. Way, crown jewel for the city. Yeah, they came a long way. Yeah, I, I really love that place. That's um uh, I, I would I would go there for more games just to see. Yeah, I, I got to too. I got yeah. I, I gotta do courtside. Yeah, okay. Now. All right. So um so and then um um after uh undergrad, um I owed Michigan money. Uh so they said okay. You can have your shingle uh, or diploma, but uh, <laughs> you can't have these transcripts till we get our money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They 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 debo with that. Give yeah, our bread, you can have everything you work for. So uh, I uh, worked in a hospital uh, where my mom worked, and okay. uh, you know to to pay off that debt, and then I went on to law school. Um, now. That's the first question. Why did you choose that career path? Well, actually, you know, I was ambivalent. Um, um, in in high school, I always knew I wanted to be a lawyer, and I okay. had I had a chemistry teacher who was my mentor. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out to Dr. Cedric Ward, uh, and uh, he uh, wanted to see more young brothers uh, go off into science. So. Um, he was pushing me off into science. He's teaching me biochemistry on his own time uh, in okay. high school. Um, and uh, he, you know, got me plugged in to, I was doing a research assignment with a, with a Wayne State medical student while I was in high school. Wow. Um, do, do, doing science fairs and, and things of that nature. So, because um, I used to tell him, I said, hey, hey, Dr. Ward, I'm going to go to college. I'm going to study in psychology and become a lawyer. And so, he, you know, for him and, um, you know, he said, well, you know, kind of keep your mind open. You know, you should look into science. So I went up there. My biology, um, my major was psychology. My minor was biology. So I've had chemistry, physics, biochemistry, all that kind of stuff. And, oh, wow. uh, um, you know, it was after during that period of time when I was waiting to, to pay off to get my transcripts released, um, mm-hmm. I, I went ahead and pulled the trigger and made the final decision to to go into law instead of medicine. So, um, and I think a lot of it had to do with uh, having been out of college for I was out for five years. Okay. Um, and I didn't remember all that physics and chemistry and all and. and <laughs> So, you know, taking the MCAT, I didn't feel like I would be able to do my best, you know, because, okay. I, you know, it'd been so long since I was, you know, doing all those formulas and stuff like that. And, um, uh, you know, taking the LSAT seemed more simpler. So now what's the LSAT for someone that uh, that's the law school admissions test and the okay. MCAT that stands for the medical college admissions test, uh, MCAT okay. uh, LSAT is law school admission test or LSAT. Okay. So, uh, so yeah, um, because I was broke uh, and couldn't pay off Michigan fast enough, I became a lawyer rather than a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> now it's funny because that was my first career choice, and I was fascinated with being a lawyer because you could 
You can cuss out people, they can't say nothing to you. I'm like, you can say <laughs> people and get away with it. That sounds kind of cool. <laughs> well, you know, when I was in high school, um, I uh, I thought, um, you know, I, I really sat down and thought about it. And I said, you know, with a lawyer, there's there's a multitude of things you could you could do. You know, you you could teach, you could practice, you could you could run for office, you could be a senator, a congressman, or you know what have okay. you. Um, mm-hmm. So that's one of the things that you know the diversity of the degree is what attracted me to um, law, law, the legal field in the first place. Um, the second thing was uh, it just so happened where we were living, uh, we had a landlord um, mm-hmm. who was an attorney. And um, her brother-in-law, her sister-in-law was um, good friends with my grandma. And um, she invited uh, me and my grandma to uh, get come and join her on her boat to watch the Detroit boat races. Okay. And that was my first time ever meeting a lawyer. And it was one of those things where I just had an epiphany. I was like, whoa, I could do this. (laughs) You know, I could be a lawyer, you know, so... um, you know, that was one of the things that first got me interested in the law, you know, just being on that nice boat and watching the boat races. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they make nice money. <laughs> How long did it take you? Um, so I went to Detroit College of Law before they uh, moved uh, and affiliated and are now call themselves the law school at MSU or MSU Law. Um, okay. Um, and <clears throat> excuse me, um, because I was working, um, I was in the night program, but it ended up being a mixture between night and day, okay. uh, because some courses that I needed, I had to take, uh, during the day and others, uh, regularly at night. So, um, I went three and a half years, uh, where okay. it's normally three. And the only reason I went, uh, an extra half year is, um, in the first semester of my third year, um, I had a bad car accident and had to withdraw for a semester. So that made me have to come back. Um, The the accident was in October. So I had to withdraw, come back in January and then come back again the next fall. So that's, that's the only reason. Um, But otherwise I was three. So. You you faced some, that was the second question. What challenges you faced? That was a tough one. Yeah, then, yeah, yeah. It was a tough one, man. A guy ran a red light and T-boned me. Oh man. Yeah, I was, I was in the hospital a week, you know, um, and uh, you know, a doctor had told me uh, when the accident happened, he had told me, uh, you know, that I needed to withdraw and heal, and you know, I was mm-hmm. just driven, man. I was, you know, and that's one of the things I'm gonna talk about on here. I was just driven, and it was like, no, man. It's like, dude, I am in. I, I see that light at the end of the tunnel. This is my last year of uh, law school, you know? <laughs> <clears throat> and um, so um, I was in, I, I got in, the accident was like on a Saturday night. Mm-hmm. I was in the hospital that whole week. I think I got discharged that Friday. Um, and um, um, that Monday I was in class. And That's was, brand right there. I was I was trying I was trying to trying to do the doggone thing and then um um uh my injury uh uh started uh hurting when I was in a class I was in a tax okay. law tax law class and I doubled over at the desk and my tax professor was like you all right and I was like uh no <laughs> <laughs> so, <Man> down <laughs> my tax professor uh 
who passed away a couple years, uh, several years ago. He was a wonderful uh, African-American man, very knowledgeable in tax, uh, Professor Alvin Storr. Um, and um, so he drove me to the ER. He drove me to the ER, man, after class. Oh, that's awesome. And um, my doctor happened to be uh, there, and he was like, you going to listen to me now? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You got to do business. Oh, man, look, listen. Uh, when the accident happened um, and I was in the hospital uh, after the you know ambulance came and got me off the side of the road to, to the hospital and everything, uh, my mom came to the hospital you know, to check on me. Mm-hmm. And the first thing I asked her was, what did they do with my car? Because my books and my briefcase are in my car, you know. Uh, <laughs> hey, I, I feel that determination, bro. I feel it. <laughs> And uh, my mom was like, are you serious? <laughs> I was like, yeah. She was like, son, you can get another briefcase books, but I can't get another you, you know. So, True. But, that's, but that was that was how I was wired, man. That was that was how I was cut. You know, I mean, like, anybody listening, when you do see that light at the end of the tunnel, it, you, you get to another gear because you believe you can finish now. You ready to grind and do whatever you got to do to get it. Exactly. So I, I understand. And one thing, you know, too, that, you know, I want to tell your listeners is, you know, um, by the time I went, to, like I said, I had a five year hiatus and, um, you know, I was a little, I was a little um, uh, anxious, you know, going back mm-hmm. to school after five years, you know, because I was like, oh, man, I'm being with these young, you know, kids, <laughs> and whatnot, you know, and yeah. uh, but then, you know, um, um, it dawned on me, it was like, what do they call a kid who finishes law school at 25 and one who finishes at 30? Counselor, you know? I, and I was like, that's what I told myself. I was like, they're going to call me counselor just like them. So, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I um, I got over the anxiety and it was like game on. You know, it's just grinding it out and, uh, you know, um, going for it. And uh, that's what that's what I did, you know. Um, I worked, I worked and went to school, you know, so, um, it was just one of those, uh, fortunately I had a decent job where, um, I was a unit clerk in a hospital. So, um, I processed the the doctor's orders after they did their rounds. Um, I worked from three 30 to, um, to, uh, uh, 11, uh, or or 11 30. I can't remember. But anyway, um, um, so on those days when I had to go to work, I took day classes and then, um, uh, a couple days a week when I wasn't taking day classes, I was working for some attorneys in Southfield. So on those days, um, I went to work during the day and went to class at night. Uh, so, um, you know, so I, it was just, it was just all about the grind, but one of the things, you know, the benefit was, is when I, when I came on, you know, uh, at the hospital, when I would come on to start my shift, um, you know, it was my job to process the doctor's orders after they had been made, made their rounds on the floor okay. and the charts would be in my rack all full. And it was my, you know, I, so I come in basically, you know, I was like a Tasmanian devil, <laughs> processing things, boom, boom, you know, filling out requisite requisition slips for pharmacy, for blood draws, for, you know, chest x-rays, all that kind of stuff getting stuff scheduled, da 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 And I would knock everything out, you know, in about an hour and a half. And then, boom, the rest of the time, 
you know, um, every now and then charts would trickle in, but the rest of the time I pulled my books out and was right there studying at the desk, you know, Okay. and, and the other part of my job was to answer the phones. So, um, now, so, yeah. How was the experience working for the attorneys in Southfield? Very wonderful. Um, want to give a shout out to the attorney I work for. Her name is Lorena Whittington, um, who, um, she, she retired like within the last year or two. Okay. Um, but uh, Ms. Whittington um, was very knowledgeable, uh, very well known and connected in the bar. Um, and it allowed me to um, implement what I was learning in class. So that's sort, awesome. of like, sort of like being hands on, you know, taking it from the textbook level to the actual practice level. You know what I'm saying? Now, I took a business law class for my business management degree and doing case briefs, that ain't yeah. no joke. Nope. That's a lot of work you got to do to, to have that one piece of paper with everything about that case. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> I'm like the teacher, like, dude, this is like a book report paper in one page. Like, well, if you want to work with a lawyer, tell me everything about this case. That's what this for. Like, oh, dude, this is a lot of information. Yeah. It's a grind. Yeah, we used to have to do that. Think about having four or five classes, you know, and Oof. you having to do that for each class, read over a couple hundred pages, you know, for each class um, for the week. And uh, that's one of the things I used to do um, when I was in law school. Because I went to Michigan, um, I was used to studying in the Michigan Law Library. So okay. one of the things I would do is... Um, um, I didn't have to work on Saturdays and Sundays. Uh, so, um, when I, when I got out, when I got out of class on Friday evening, um, I would go home and go to bed, just go home, go to bed, get, get a good night's sleep and get up mm -hmm. bright and early on Saturday and drive up to Ann Arbor and stay all day reading my cases for the week. I would do that Saturday and Sunday, uh, reading and briefing all my cases for the week because, you know, we're working and, and trying to go to school, too. You know, it didn't yeah. leave a lot of time for that. So I would do all that on Friday or Saturdays and Sundays. I would, go, you know, the law library stayed open in Michigan to like one uh, thirty, two in the morning, something like that. So. That's cool. uh, so, yeah, so that's what I would do, you know, um, and that was my grind. That was my grind. Friday, come home, go to sleep, you know, get rested and uh, hit it Saturday and Sundays, you know. Bro, uh, some of them cases be long, especially yeah, you man. To deal with the Supreme Court and they decisions. Yep, some of those cases they were just long. So Wendy, like this one just talking, and it's three of them that spoke. Like, oh my goodness! And it's so funny to me because a lot of times now, uh, uh, when we write briefs, you know, mm -hmm. they give us page limits, you know. Um, <laughs> but then when you see their opinion, their opinion be like <laughs> double the page limit, man. <laughs> Man, the opinion be like, <laughs> woo! I was stopping like, let me go go outside for a minute. Cause this dude is still talking about you don't agree, you ain't voting, but you got more to say than everybody that voted for the case. Like, come <laughs> on, man! How does that work? Teacher would laugh at him like, dude, you tell me this dude is long winded. He ain't even vote. <laughs> but you, he had like two pages of I'm gonna abstain for this. Like, okay, you'll stay. Stop talking. <laughs> I can see if you voted yes to no on the big case, but you ain't even doing it. And spoke the most. Forgot what ju Chief Justice that was like, dude. I couldn't name about this life. Hmm. 
There's a lot of money in it, but I don't know about this one. Right. A lot of reading. So for any of your listeners that might be wondering, um, when I was in law school, I was going to law school to uh, be a personal injury lawyer. Um, so Really? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, but, you know, why um, that? Um, personal injury, because, you know, slip and falls, you know, auto accidents, uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. I was going to be a multi-million dollar trial lawyer, you know. So, okay. Um, but here's the thing. Um, when I had that car accident, uh, mm-hmm. right around the time that I had to go and tell the dean that I had to withdraw from school, my one and only brother was murdered in the city of Detroit. Oh, man, I'm sorry to hear that. And uh, thank you, bro. And um, so I watched the prosecutor get justice for our family. And then I had, an, I had an epiphany and I was like, you know what? That's what I want to do. I want to get that kind of justice for um, people and their families who've been wronged. Yeah, I've had a few people lost coming up. Senseless murders. Yeah, so so that's how I, that's how I got on the prosecution path. Um, you know, after my brother was murdered. Now, how long before you had your first job as a prosecutor? Um, I was out of law school four years, mm-hmm. and only because the prosecutor's office had a a hiring freeze uh, on at that time. The Wayne County Prosecutor's Office. Okay. They had a hiring freeze for that long period of time, so I worked at a, uh, uh, <clears throat> I worked for the UAW, and then I also worked for a law firm. And then um, uh, by then they had some openings, and uh, I applied and was hired. Okay. And I was a homicide prosecutor. Oh wow! You was law and order for real. Mm-hmm. Is it like the TV show a little bit? Um, yeah, yeah, okay. it really is. It really is. Wow. As a matter of fact, really Law and is. Order, um, Law and Order and Law and Order SVU are my favorite shows. I don't like that criminal intent one. It just, it, you know, they, they, they get far afield. It's not really, it's too dramatic. Yeah. I like, not, I like organized crime with Stabler. It's pretty good. Yeah, I like organized crime too. Yep, yep, I like that one too, but. For the real to real as to what we do, law and order, law and order SVU. Okay. They, they are right. more, more similar to what we do as prosecutors. Okay. So what set your sights on assisting U.S. attorney? Well, it's one of those things, you know, um, put it like this. When you play Little League, you football, you aspire to play college ball. When you play college ball, you aspire to go to the NFL. So True. When, you're, when you're a state prosecutor, you, you aspire to become a federal prosecutor. It's just, you know, going to the highest level of your profession. So, If you can answer this, it's not too much difference from the levels? Um, um, no, not too much. No, not okay. too much. Not too much. Same thing. You know, making sure that you do justice, making sure that you do things the right way, the correct way. Okay. Um, so, yeah, same thing. Now, how did your friends 
look at it when you was telling me along your journey that I want to jump into law. Oh, uh, a lot of friends, a lot of my friends. Uh, <laughs> we from Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm asking. A lot of my friends thought that maybe that meant okay. I got somebody who will be able to represent me. <laughs> <laughs> I got the plug now. Okay, yeah, do that, dude. Do it. <laughs> Heck you know. That's hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, like I said, I had wanted to do personal injury. Um, I had no sights, excuse me, no intent on doing criminal until that unfortunate incident happened with my brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you're helping a lot of people. Yeah, I uh, with my church, I mentor young men. I try and uh, give them that same fire that I had and try and tell them it's all about what's in your head and what's in your heart and you can make it you know um, I used to specifically talk to myself and tell myself you know uh, society is out here thinking that you know because of where I come from and how I was raised you know that I'm supposed to be dead on drugs in jail you know um, all that kind of stuff but you, you, you don't have to subscribe to that narrative you know you can change that picture you know as long as you got it in your head and in your heart, you know, uh, anything is possible. Dude, I remember in the 80s, they used to tell us that in school. Well, you're a black male, teenage dad by 17, dead or in jail by 21. Like, that's not my life. Right. I remember eighth grade one day, and it's going to give you a good laugh. One of the finest girls eighth grade was giving your boy some love. Okay. I'm like, bet, maybe I get a number. Hey, Jeff, you, you, you come out of class like, no, nah, I want to go nowhere. This, this is a good day for me. We're like, Ice Cube. No, nah, you come here. Like, what they want? Right. We get in the car or a little bus, and they take us up to Schaefer to the second precinct. And I'm like, wait a minute. I was talking to the fans girl in the class. She was actually listening and laughing, and you got me looking at jail cells. If you don't stay in school, you're gonna be here like, dude. We're the honors class of eighth grade. What are you? What are nerds? What are you doing? Mm-hmm. Now, remember, I wanted to be a lawyer. So I used to watch Madlock, Perry Mason reruns. I start flipping out. Like, um, did you get my mom permission? Cause my daddy's already dead. To bring... They look at me like, what he say? Like, um, you kidnapped me, pretty much, because my mom don't know I'm here right now. So either take me back to school, let me call my mom. And you explain to her why I'm looking at a jail that I'm not going to see. Because ain't no women in prison. So mm-hmm. we're right. not going to meet. Right. And I'm more mad because old girl was feeling me. I'm like, dang, you messed me up to come look at a dirty jail cell that I'm not going to look at? Like, come on, man. Like, this is crazy. And everybody else was scared. Like, dude, we do nothing wrong. You can't just take this out of school. You right. can't go to Detroit Zoo without a permission slip. Exactly. They're going to show me a jail cell to scare me straight without my mama knowing I'm going there. Exactly. Exactly. But yeah, I um, I mentor through my church. Uh, been doing That's awesome. That, been doing that about uh, eight, nine years. And, um, um, you know, because my thing is, uh, you know, so many of our young men in the city, they don't see enough um, positive role models. True. And, um, you know, I mean, in my in my neighborhood, um, you know, we have positive role models. I, I saw, you know, my dad wasn't in my house. I saw dads in homes taking care of their family uh, with their wives, um, 
um, going to work, you know, many of them going to the plant, you know, uh, my next door neighbor's dad uh, was in construction, um, you know, so I, I saw those things and I took those things to heart, you know, um, mm -hmm. and um, but but I also had a group of friends who, you know, unfortunately uh, went off into the drug gang. Um, yeah, we had some neighbors like that. And uh, lost their lives, unfortunately. Some of them lost their lives. Um, yeah. But, but um, you know, my mom, she just she just wasn't having it. You know, her I was raised primarily by her and her mother. Mm -hmm. um, I don't I don't have either of them with me anymore. But um, sorry to hear. It was just um, the fact that. Um, you know, I still have the picture of when I was sworn in as a lawyer and both of them were there. Just, just awesome. the fact that the, the smile that they had, the, the smile of pride that they had, you know. Um, That's beautiful. I, I keep with me, it keeps that with me forever. Yeah, because it's unfortunate. I remember in the sixth grade, I was the smartest dude. And the smartest girl in the class, like, she might go maybe be a lawyer, business. And they're like, okay, what y'all think I might wind up being? Oh, you're going to be the big time dope boy the feds won't, Jeff. And that hurt my little feeling. Whoa. Like, why I got to be the big dope? Because I'm the smartest dude. I can't use that and start a business. Right. There ain't nothing to aspire to, I you know. And no women in prison, man. What's, what's y'all thinking? Exactly. Like, I never want that to be true. Like, exactly. No, I ain't doing nothing with the streets, no. And that's what I try and tell the young men I mentor. Um you know, I try and tell them uh, the same thing. Um, you know, um, I want you guys to listen to me here, you know, because uh, we're with them uh, through the church uh, every mm -hmm. other every other Saturday. Okay. And I try and tell them, I got enough work on my desk. I don't need to see any of you down there because you need to listen to what I'm saying now um, so that you don't have to hear me later. Because if you hear me Monday through Friday, I'm not being nice as I am here on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> now, what has been the impact on the mentoring to these young men? What have some of them done so far? Oh, we've had many who have uh, gone off to college. Uh, awesome. We got one who went to Michigan, uh, graduating, um, and he's uh, in his first year of dental school out in Boston. Oh, that's cool. Um, so... We've had kids go to Michigan State, um, Wayne State, uh, Bowling Green, a um, couple community colleges. Uh, you know, it, we're having a we're having a great impact on young men. And if I can give a shout out um, to my bishop, Bishop Edgar Van, under his leadership at at Second Ebenezer Church. Um, okay, doing good things. I'm just I'm just so happy. <clears throat> I'm just so happy to to be involved in it because um, you know I'm real with the young men. Um, uh, I I don't front. Um, when I was coming up, it was hard, you know, because uh, you know my dad, what for whatever reason, didn't want to be involved in my life, and that really hurt me. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, I can remember as a child, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> about mm, between nine and eleven years old, sitting on the uh, back back steps of, of, of my house um, mm -hmm. holding my dog you know looking up to heaven and crying and asking God why am I here you know just take me now 
Um, and so I tell that story to the young man because I say, I can only imagine God saying to, to, to himself, laughing, saying, boy, you don't know. I'm going to guide your path. I'm going to direct you. I'm going to lead you to so much stuff um, that um, you, you won't even believe it. And um, I think back on those days and I'm uh, I'm just amazed, you know, Man, that is so real. My father died when I was 12 and it it broke up my family. Figuring out manhood was scary. Come on. Yeah. And I contemplated an attempt suicide by junior year. Me and my mom wasn't cool. So to see where I am now, like, wow, it was so scary back then. Like, I don't know what I'm going to wind up. I ain't going to jail. Screw that. Right. I'm prove them right. But yeah, that was my thing, to... too. I ain't got time to be locked up with a bunch of dudes all day long. <laughs> no, nah, man. I Tell me, shut up, be quiet. And I got a home, but that's a deputy sheriff. Okay. No, nah, man. Mm-mm. Stories he tell me, like, no, ain't, that's not living. Yeah. I got you brother-in-law. Got out here. I got brother-in-law who's a deputy sheriff. So. <laughs> uh, he might know. Yep. Yeah. Because <laughs> their job is very entertaining. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay. So, uh, so that's the thing I try and tell the young man. I don't know why y'all brainwashed to think that going into the jail system is is the big hot ticket item. I don't know why. I, I, I don't understand it. Well, and I try and get them to break that cycle, you know, because a lot of them think, oh, that give me status, that give me credit, I'm on paper or whatever. But that takes away your opportunities, you know, because when you're filling out those job applications and you're putting down convicted felon. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Um, but it's, I mean, when you don't have fathers or a male figure around, you look to other stuff that might tell you if you do this, you're going to be cool and make it. And if they see other people that went that route, which ain't a lot of them, and made it, well, I can do the same. And that's not everybody's story. Right. So I try and show them my story because my story is very much similar to theirs. Mm-hmm. And, um, um, you know, just try and show them that uh, you can you can carve your own path to something different. Um, you know, um <clears throat> Uh, you know, like I said, uh, when I think back to that little boy sitting on the back steps, um, mm-hmm. um, I'm just amazed, you know. And, you know, it's, it, you know, it's giving me an epiphany, like I said, as to, you know, you know, what God, you know, directed as the purpose for my life, you know, when I got into mentoring. And please forgive me, I didn't say this earlier, but, yeah, I'm married um, with uh, two kids. Uh, so. Uh, okay, it's awesome. We uh we, we lost our oldest child uh in two thousand and eight at the age of twenty two in a car accident while he was away at school. I'm sorry to hear that. So thank you. So um so yeah, um so I'm like the fathers I saw in my neighborhood, you know. I'm a father taking care of my kids and my family, you know. Um so that's And that I'm does talking. happen, people. Black men do do what they supposed to do. <laughs> it ain't a TV show. <laughs> that's what I saw coming up. Yeah, and so that's what I try and show the young men, you know, that, you know, we can do this, you know, and, you know, so that when they become fathers, you know, they're active and participants in their children's lives. Don't just keep 
keep this cycle going of, well, my dad wasn't there for me, so why should I be there for my child? Yeah, because, I mean, it's more than just paying child support. It's the interaction, because it's like you can create your, I'm a Marvel DC person, so you can create your own super soldier. Whatever mm-hmm. thing out here in the world you can get them into and just watch what they become. That's pretty cool. Well, you know, I mentioned LeBron, you know, sometimes, you know, when I'm talking to young men, I mentioned mm-hmm. LeBron, you know, who grew up without a dad. But then I also point them to, you know, look at Venus, look at Michael Jordan, look at the Jackson Five. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what's the difference with those guys? Uh, they all have fathers who played a role. And one of the things I try to tell them is, you know, as a father, when you play a role, your kid can make millions. You see what I'm saying? That's true. You know, um, if you're there and you're doing what you need to be doing, you know, guiding your child, you know, you can make their dreams come true and you can make million dollar dreams come true for your children. You know, mm-hmm. so, so <clears throat> excuse me, that's what I try and, um, you know, show them. Um, yeah, you have your LeBrons and others, you know, and, and yeah, you don't always need to have a dad. I mean, I made it without without my dad really playing a role, but. Um, I try and tell them that, you know, at the time that you become a dad, you know, be involved in your kid's life, you know, because yeah, it's easier with two. Yeah. You can, you can push, you can push them to great heights, you know, by being That's a true. participant in their lives. And sometimes they just need someone to believe in them. Mm-hmm. Like something I do with the interviewing of great people for the podcast is real people that made something of themselves. So, if someone trying to find a purpose or they failed and scared to try again, listen to one of my episodes. These are real people that kept grinding and they got there. You right. can do it too. There's no excuse. You just got to try. Right. And that's what I try and tell them. You know, a lot of people don't do it because they're they're scared to fail. Well, you know, if you fail, you just get up and start over and keep going, you know? Yep, Dre just had that commercial. He took a thousand shots and made one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right. Play that commercial all the time back in the day. Mm-hmm. All the time. Right, I tried to tell him, you know, like if you work out and you weight lift, you wasn't benching three fifty on the first first try many times. Nope. <laughs> you had to work up. <laughs> you know, you wasn't power cleaning five and six hundred pounds. And so that's what I try and tell them. You know, you just gotta, you just gotta, yeah, you gotta work at it. Yeah, you just gotta, you got, you gotta have that fire. You gotta have that desire, um, and you just gotta go for it. You, you know, my my thing uh, was always, you know, I used to always tell myself, as bad as you know, if you've ever, you know, uh, a couple times, um, you know, if you've fallen off your off your bike, you know, you know, mm-hmm. you have the bars hit you in the stomach, knock the wind out of you, or you know, you're playing football with your boys, playing tackle, and you get the wind knocked out of you. As bad and as hard as you fight to breathe, that's how that's how it needs to be when you have a career aspiration. You know, you have to want it as bad as you want your, your, your next breath. And if you have that focus, that desire, that hunger, yeah, anything's possible. That's true. I know when I was coming up in the 80s, they was always throwing out those stigmas, well, you're a black male only good with his hands. Like, no, we're intelligent people. 
So you kind of have in the back of your head, some might not think you qualified. So show yourself proof. Be the hardest worker in the room. Right. Know all your stuff. It shouldn't be that way. Color should not matter at all. But it's some that crap do. So know your stuff. Put that time in. Exactly. So what have you learned? In terms of? Through this whole journey, you look back over it. Um, well, being a person of faith, um, as I always tell the young men, uh, the main thing I learned was is when I thought God wasn't didn't have his eye on me or wasn't mm-hmm. looking out for me, uh, he was. Um, and um, that's the main thing I learned is that, you know, my heavenly father was always looking out for me. Um, yeah, and, and, and we don't think so. I'm so blessed, you know, uh, out of billions and billions of people on this earth, you know, he looked out for me, you know, from that little boy uh, from nine years old to to the man that I am now. Yeah, because even though my father was gone, he put a lot of great council of elders, I call them, Mm -hmm. men and women that gave me life game. Mm -hmm. Whether they did it or not, they told me the right way to do it. And they helped me get to where I am. And I do appreciate them for that. And they yep. have to tell you nothing. Yeah, like I said, my high school mentor. There's a movie. I don't know if you've ever saw it. But there's a movie called Finding Forrester. Uh, I've seen you, that before. You've seen that before? Mm-hmm. That's, how it, that's how it was with, with me and my high school mentor. Just like, okay. that, just like that. Just like that young man, Jamal, had that hunger to want to be a writer. You know? Mm-hmm. That's how it was with me. I had that hunger that I wanted to succeed. I wanted to, I wanted to do it. You know, I wanted to better my circumstances. You know, I wanted to live better. You know, um, and have a better life. And so, yeah, that and my mentor, he and I, we used to kick it just like Jamal and his mentor in that movie. Um, I love that movie. Um, I, I have I have a copy of it at home, and you know, for nostalgic purposes, I'll, I'll throw that movie on couple times a month you know because okay it's so similar to my lifestyle so similar so similar that's amazing yep just like jamal you know had you know the little love interest in the movie i had girls that i liked you know and i used to talk to my mentor about it he give me tips you know whatnot you know you know yeah and and sometimes a distraction is good because you need to find balance. Don't be 100%. You'll burn yourself out on getting to where you're trying to go. Mm-hmm. You take some me time for yourself. Right. And then some can be a, a distraction. Y'all watch out for them too. Yep. Yes, sir. Everybody don't mean you good. You don't need to lean on God so he can let you be able to tell the difference. Yes, sir. So what advice would you have for someone that might want to go into a law career but but is hesitant? Don't be hesitant. Um, All us lawyers put our pants on one leg at a time, just like you do. If it's in your head and it's in your heart, go for it. Don't be hesitant. You know, he who hesitates is lost. 
you know. Um, uh, you know, one one of the things, you know, uh, I, that's one of the things I would say, you know. Um, you know, paralysis by analysis, you know, when you're standing around thinking and hemming and hawing, you know, uh, you know, you're paralyzing yourself and your, and your opportunity. If, you know, you just got to believe in it, believe in yourself and just go, go get it. Yeah, you're right. Sometimes you got to believe when don't nobody else believe in you. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. God may have only gave you the plan. Yep. You got to see it through. <laughs> you so get there, true. you're going to open that door. It's going to help everybody else on your team start doing what they should be doing. Yes, sir. That is so true. So true. And that's so something true. I look at LeBron as he's done. He stayed the course and all his friends branched into what they really want to do. And they circulated and helped a lot of people with it. Mm-hmm. They should never eat. To me, you should never be eating at a big table by yourself. You should have some other people there with you eating good. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And that's the way I feel, you know, in terms of the mentoring I'm involved in, you know, trying to help these young men eat, trying to help them, you know, so that they could have, you know, better lives and um, aspire to be whatever they want to be. Man, that's amazing because some people don't take the time to get back like that. Like I said, once I, once I achieve, you know, what well, some folks look at as success, mm-hmm. um, like I said, that's when God spoke to me. And that's when I knew that he brought me along this way so that I could show other young men and bring them and, and show them that the same God that worked for me is the same God that will work for you. Mm-hmm. you know? And um, I, I, until, until I have the last breath in my body, I will mentor um, because it's so important. It's so crucial. I think Dr. King used to always say, you know, um, I can't be all that I am unless you're all that you, you, you can be. Okay. Yeah, that, new, that man said a lot of great stuff. And you, and it's starting to come back a little bit. You see more people trying to mentor or give back. Yeah, and you know, one of the beauties of my job is I got a chance to meet Barack, the president Barack Obama when he was president. Uh, how was that experience? Oh, just, I just you know only got a chance to shake his hand, you know. Okay. But you know, that was wonderful. That was wonderful. That was wonderful because I thought about you know we basically kind of had similar lives. You know, he grew up without his dad. You know, raised by his mom and grandma. Mm-hmm. So did I. <clears throat> We both became uh, black lawyers, um, and we both became black lawyers who represented this nation. Yeah, because, I mean, I appreciate Rita giving her a shout-out for saying, I got someone that'd be great with they story. Like, real? And I didn't really catch your job title when she first said it. I'm like, okay, Terrence, okay, well, sure, I'd like to meet him. Wait a minute, did she say assistant U.S. attorney? I think she did say that title. Then I looked on your page like, yep, she did say that. And you did have an amazing story that that can help somebody. Well, a lot of times when 
you know, I, you know, I'm so down to earth, you know, um, you know, because like I tell people, um, I have nothing to be, you know, high on myself about. I haven't fed, you know, multitudes with a couple loaves of bread and a few fish, you know, so, um, nor nor have I walked on water, you know, so I'm just down to earth, humble person, you know, um, Love talking to, you know, helping people, inspiring people if I can, you know, because like I said, I always continue to have that picture of that nine-year-old boy um, in my in my head. And I keep thinking maybe somebody else is that nine-year-old boy. And so my talking to them and helping them, you know, can help them achieve, you know, because maybe they're having that nine-year-old boy moment. Helps and Metro Detroit and probably a lot of other areas. A lot of people have that moment, unfortunately. Right. Even if they do get two parents, they might feel that way. But to have someone that believe in you, that's like gold. Yeah. I always hear people tell me that you're very positive. A lot of people are not I'm like, I assume a lot of people is. That's just my thought process. Mine too. But I do hear like saying, nah, man, I, I get it's a pandemic, but it's going to end. This is the same revelations just yet. I mean, some stuff happened, but it ain't the end yet. So calm down. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Mark and B saying here, seven year tribulation. We ain't there yet. So this pandemic is going to calm down. But some people ain't really hopeful. And I try to post positive stuff to God really got me on. Motivate people on their purpose. Amen. Amen. Because someone got great ideas he made them to do that might be scared or hesitant to try again or start because they probably got somebody that might say, man, you can't do that. And they just scared to try themselves. (laughs) You know, I once heard this quote that said, um, a person who has never failed has never, uh, what was it? Hang on. Um, if you've never failed, then you'll never succeed. If you've never failed at anything, then you'll never succeed. You know, That's because, true. And I think that, you know, the, the whole meaning behind that was, you know, you don't fall down. You know, when you first learn to walk, you know, mm-hmm. everybody fell down, you know, a little bit, you know, a couple of times. But you got up, you kept at it and boom, you're able to walk. Then you were able to run. Then you were able to jump, run, and do everything. So yeah, there's so there's learning and failure. Right. Any business person out here now will tell you or whatever field, I suck before I got good at it. Right. Music, yeah. sports, whatever. Everybody tell you, yeah, I suck. Right. Before and I got good at it. Going back to your, going back to your Michael Jordan. Remember, he was cut from his high school basketball team. Yep. He, he wasn't that great at first. We kept working at it. Yep, they told him he wasn't good enough. <laughs> mm-hmm. He's so determined they call him the goat now. Right. So uh, how so has this experience been for you? Um it's been it's been great. Um like I said, um it's given me an opportunity to you know be a positive uh example to people in the community. It's given me an opportunity to take positive people to not only in the community, but in my family. Um, um, and an opportunity to take care of my family. Um, 
main thing was it gave me an opportunity to put the brightest smile I'd ever seen on my mom's and grandma's faces. Um, awesome. Um, so it has been it has been great. Now, how you like being on the podcast? I'm oh, just man, experienced it, by you. This is this is awesome, man. If you ever need me to come back, I'd love to. Um, oh, definitely. <laughs> you know, because the more we can get the message out to people that they can achieve, that they can, you know, reach goals, the better we are as an as a, as a people. And as a country, you know. Yeah, I'm definitely to get you back on here. Young people, young people need to know that they don't have to. They don't have to drown, you know. No, we they can, don't. We can teach them to swim. Absolutely, bro. We can teach them to swim. All right, you know. We can teach them to to swim and win. You know, enough that to get is... a, a book I read. Um, man. Oh man, sorry. Having a no problem. Melt. Having a brain melt. Uh, it'll come Anytime. to the guy's name, but uh, the name of the book is "Why Should Why Why Should All Why Should White Guys Have All the Fun." It's about a brother who ended up um, going <laughs> conning his way into Harvard Law School, <laughs> graduating, um, going to work on Wall Street. Seeing the ins and outs of how things how things go, um, and then um, he uh, did a billion dollar merger acquisition and became the owner of this company called Beatrice Foods. Did they make a movie like that in the eighties or something? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, I think his name was Franklin. Franklin. Uh, um, man, I'm having a brain freeze. Uh, okay. But he, I, 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 they had so many like B like movies back in the day with stuff about sneaking to do something and you wasn't that person. I'm gonna have to look. Someone may have done something like that back then. Yeah, but uh, his 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 he uh, he uh, just just you know he just had that hunger, that desire that he wanted to make it, you know, and he wanted to, you know do what he wanted to do in terms of being, you know, have a billion dollar merger, you know, and he did it. He talked it up. He did it. He put things together and he became the owner of that company and it was Beatrice Foods, man. The multi-million dollar dollar conglomerate. I'm going to have to look up this book. He ended up uh, passing away from brain cancer, but, uh, oh man, he was an amazing young man. He was an amazing dude. Okay. I'm definitely gonna have you back on the show. Maybe get you and Rita on here because both y'all journeys are very interesting. That might be a cool show. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. It's just we gotta motivate people, man. We gotta motivate people. You know? Yes. Um, you know, the jails and, and all that kind of stuff are they're just overcrowded, man. And you know, it's like I'm just tired of, you know, I mean, no, don't, you get see me wrong. don't get me wrong. If you do wrong, and you hurt somebody in the community. Oh, I'm going to come after you, you know, mm-hmm. you know, I'm going to do my job, you know, um, you know, and do it the correct way and the right way, you know, and uh, 
come after you because you you know you're causing a harm to the community and we can't have that mm-hmm. but to the extent that we can talk people away from harming the community and doing something positive I'm all down for that I feel you that's gonna figure out some type of I'm gonna come up with some type of idea and get you back on with another another person or two yeah no problem no problem like I said I feel that's my so that's my purpose in life, you know. Now that I look back to that nine-year-old boy and I see how God has moved things for me and blessed me, I feel like that's my purpose. That's why he did it. Because he's like, I know if I bless you, I know if I lead you down this path, you'll recognize me and you'll do for others, you know, show others what I did for you and guide them on the right path. So that's what I'm about. That's my mission, man. That's my mission. I'm loving it too, man. That's good stuff. I know some more good brothers out here doing the work. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I want to thank you for your time. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate you being here. To everybody listening, I hope you gave a lot of great insight to the law. If you want to go into that field, you want a mentor, you can maybe start with your family or your church or friends, someone you see that might need a little push. I want to thank Assistant U.S. Attorney Terrence Hogglebook for joining the show. Everybody have a great weekend. Until next time. After I finish it up, I'm sending you a copy of it so you have your own personal one. Oh, thank you so much, sir. No problem, man. All righty. All right, have a good one. You too. Bye. <clears throat> Joy is in me.